Han. Testing. No. How does it work? Anyone know? There we go. Is it on? It's on, I guess. Okay. We just had this chus next door. Um, over the years, I've been working with Rabbi Ritzky on many different programs, on brachos, on amen. Some of you may have benefited from it also in your elementary school years, or even perhaps even now, the, the amen cards. And uh, a lot of information and a lot of the details that we've had in yeshiva have come from an organization I tell called B'nai Amunim. We are B'nai Amunim. B'nai Amuna, Anachem Aminim, B'nai Aminim. We have, we believe and know of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we know that the power of when we say Amen throughout the day is a tremendous, tremendous thing. Rabbi Shane is the head of the B'nai Amunim organization, Eretz Yisrael. He came now around to speak to many different yeshivas, to mechazek and the idea of bracha is something which we do every single day, to mechazek and the idea of saying Amen, something so important, so vital, so crucial. And I'm asking you to please give your undivided attention to Rabbi Shane on this amazing, very, very inspirational and relevant topic. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here today. We were zeichet to be in about 150 moistness in the last four months. And this is a place I never saw before. I was very impressed when I walked in. I saw this. It's like a campus. Very impressive. I'm coming here to speak about a mitzvah that's a simple mitzvah, it's not complicated. It's a mitzvah actually we do all day. We start off today with it, we end off today with a maple, we start off and we make brachas nomes throughout the day. You don't even realize how many brachas nomes you're actually making, but you're making a lot. Now, let me just tell you what the Gemara brings down. The Gemara brings down a chulin that was once a person that shechted a chayah. Now you all know that when you shecht a chayu or a bird, there's a mitzvah of kisuya down. Kisuya means you take the blood, but the blood falls on the front, you have to cover up the blood. And there's a bracha. The Gemara Chulun and Peva brings down a story that was once Ruvain, let's say his name was Ruvain, and he shechted a chayu. And he was about to make kisuya down. All of a sudden, Shimon is standing there, and Shimon says to himself, one second, you know something? I never had the opportunity to make kisuya down in my life. I would love to have this opportunity. So he didn't ask any questions. He ran over and he made the bracha lechasos domba offer and he did the mitzvah of Kisra The Gemara says that Reuven was very disappointed. And he ran to Bezd. And Abigamliel was by that Bezd. And Abigamliel heard what Reuven had to say. And Abigamliel passed Listen to what he passed. He said, Because you stole the bracha, forget about the mitzvah, just the bracha alone. You stole the brother, you have to pay 10 zehuven, 10 golden coins. That's a lot more than $10. What the actual worth is, I don't know. But you stole the bracha, you have to pay 10 golden zehuven. That's how much it's actually a monetary value. And a chayshemishmit, we all know chayshemishmit is all about monetary values and these type of things. Stealing, being masik. Chayshemishmit and shimpeva paskins. That if someone steals a bracha from somebody, he could take him to Bezden and he could... It, Mon ein, ten zuhuvim. You can demand, I need ten zuhuvim for the bracha that you took away from me. Tosis brings down a different story. Tosis says there was once a person that got an ali on Shabbos. Let's say it was Shabbos. He got an ali shishi. There was a guy standing on the side over there. He says to himself, you know something? He got shishi? I'm the president of the shul. I'm the rich man. 
I'm the Baal Tzedakah. No way. No way. I gotta get that idea. And he was a real crack. He didn't ask any questions. He ran over. And he said, Baruch Hashem HaMavayrach, Ashabach HaBonu, Ashenoslonu, Goodbye, Charlie. He made the bold brachas. Tyson says, one second. What's going on? They asked Rabbi Natam. The guy stole two brachas. What's the halacha? You know what Rabbi Natam said? He does not have to pay him anything. And they were bewildered. What does that mean? Why don't you have to pay? He just stole two brachas. Ashabach HaBonu, Ashenoslonu. Rabbi Natam, listen to these words. These are amazing words. Rabbi Natam says, you know why he doesn't have to pay? Because, you're right, he actually stole two brachas. But when he stole those two brachas, he gave the first person an opportunity to answer twice on it. And the Chazal say, God The one that answers on is even more chashur than the person that actually said the brachas. God, he doesn't have to pay. Now, I'm sure that some Bachrim over that think to themselves a Pashtakasha. How can Rabbi Nitzam say you don't have to pay for the Baracha because he gave the person an opportunity to answer Rame? Your mother just now said that, but the Muriyah passed like you said, that means you do have to pay for the Baracha. Why you have to pay? What do you mean? Other person will never answer Rame. You know where it's that Kasha? The Yamsha Shloim Masha. He's one of the first Achreinim. You know what he says? This mashal, boys, is in, the, in Baba Kama, not in Chum. And I'm not going to go through the whole answer because it's a very big arichas. But I want to tell you one thing that this mashal says, which is an amazing mashal. He says, I don't want you to think for a second to answer this question, this kasha, by saying, you know something? Maybe the one that made the brach of Kisi Adam, maybe he made the brach very quietly. So Reuven, the first person, wasn't able to answer Rame. He says, don't even think of saying that. You know why? Because what? Are we talking about Are a Russia? Someone that can make a bracha loud and give someone else the opportunity to answer Rame. And he won't do it loud? That's a Russia. Think about it, you can't be talking about a case like that. Now let's not forget, the one that stole the Kisi Adam was no tzaddik. He just not stole a mitzvah. He stole a bracha. But the Gemara says, one second, you're right. But the Mashal says, but one thing is for sure. He, he would never ever make a bracha low and not give the second person the opportunity to hear in Salamit. This is what the Mashal says. Mashal says, it's a rasha. So we had unbelievers. Right? Unbeliever Paskin, you have to pay 10 zubu for a bracha. Whoever's for a bracha has a monetary value. You make brachas all day long. No one even thinks. Trust me, if there would be a pushka here on the beam and every time someone makes a bracha and he can answer Rame and he makes a bracha and he can, he can take ten dollars why would he make brachas beautifully no one gets tired of getting, making money Amen Rabbi time says it's even more important than a bracha my son once told me my son living at the show once told me what do you do your thing he says you know there are many brachas I go around thinking to himself and sometimes in your life Myself also sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, if we would just be rich, if we would just be rich, we'd walk into the Bismarck in the morning, we wouldn't walk in with five dollar bills or ten dollar bills, we'd walk in with hundred dollar I'd walk in with a hundred dollar bills. Everybody that comes over to me during Davening, I'll give them a hundred dollar bill. Everybody would look at me getting a lot of attention. Give everybody hundreds. I'm a I'm a rich man, I'm what? And comes at night, I would sit in my dining room and over there we would be 
lines and lines of people. Everybody wants to come to speak with me. They want to tell me the problems. They want to have money. This guy, I'm going to give him $1,000 to sell. I'm going to give $2,000. This guy, I'm going to give $1,500. I'll give that money. I'll be a rich man. Everybody say, when someone walks into the shul, we all my meaning. And we heard the monetary value. When someone walks into a shul in the morning, before Davin, and he wants to say the and he walks over to his friend, and he says, you know something? I want to say the 15 brachas of Birchus Hashachah. Forget about Birchus Hashachah right now, and other brachas. Just the Birchus Hashachah alone. And you say the Birchus Hashachah to your friend, and he answers, Amen. You just now gave him 150 zehuvim. You're a rich man. Forget about it. You made the money, 150, and you gave it away. You made, you gave away 150 zehuvim. You walk into the coffee room right before Seder, and you want to make a coffee, and you actually prepare some a nice coffee, yeah, over there, there's always bucket hanging around the coffee. That's for sure. And you want to make a bucket, and you have 10 bucket over there standing in the coffee room, schmoozing you. I don't know about why. And you tell the boy, he's got a favor. I'm going to make a bucket. One second of your time. Just answer, I'm going to have a If there's 10 bucket there, you just gave out 100 zoom. There's 15, you gave out 150. There's five, you gave out 50. This is what Chazal say has a value. Amen has a value. Throughout the day, you made a bunch of the fushes again. You made an ashri outside. You have other people answering Roman. You're giving out money. You you are a rich man. The person comes, after he dies, he comes of Yenavelt, and all of a sudden he hears how they're saying, the rich man, the nugget about Sadaka. The Tzal says to himself, What? The Tzal, the rich man? I didn't have money to put out food on the table. I used to go with patches on my pants. I didn't have a pen to have an M all my life. And they call me the rich man. He goes over to the Allah and he says, I don't know how to tell this to you. But I want you to realize that I was not a rich man. I was a very, actually very poor. And the Allah turned to Bitsal and they said, Bitsal, you're making one big mistake. In this world, we don't make mistakes. You are a very wealthy person. Every morning when you came in, you said, you gave that. 150 sohuvim in the coffee room throughout the day. You were just giving out money. You were making and giving. You gave out millions, maybe billions of dollars throughout your lifetime. You were a very wealthy man. There's no one here in this Bismarck that did not, did not hear the Hedekab Shumba Yechoi. And everybody knows Maroma goes on there. I was there myself. It goes on there Maron that day. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people come. 200,000, something like 250,000 people, and they want to get into that scene. And when, once they get in, they can take them an hour and a half waiting online. They finally get in there, they're touching that stone. They start crying, oblivious to all their surroundings. They don't even know someone is around. They can scream all their problems. It makes no difference. I'm standing in front of the scene of the Shimon. And the second they walk out, they start jumping and they simcha. Wow, we piled by the Shimon. The Shimon was the one that taught us the secrets of the Torah. You know what Rav Shimon says? I'm going to translate it in English. He says, when someone says, Omer on the bracha, and he has a mind, Omer says, so kel melechem, the evishta is true. I hear a brother from my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, my friend. Yes, he just now made a bracha, Marcus in the Shomis, and brother Mason, the evishta made tea, it's amazing for me in the morning. I believe it, it's true, the evishta is a bench. Roy Bechobosa, it's true. 
You know what Rabbi Shimon says? Rabbi Shimon says a force that opens up for that person, an unbelievable mazel, good mazel comes down for this person. How many people would beg Hashem for a good mazel? A good mazel because he said amen. And if Shimon says not only in this world but in the next world too. I'm not sure what a good mouth on the next world means, but that's what he says. And this is the next thing is amazing what he says. He says, when you say Amen, you, when you say it properly and with the right kavana, you could be saving somebody on the other side. Of, a basket comes out and says, in the schus of your Amen, that person on the other side of the world should have a Yeshua, whether it's not, and today, we know how many travels Christ is going through. Your Amen, save one of those hostages. It's a fact. That's what Rabbi Shimon says. We all believe in Rabbi Shimon. You say, trap and you have the right kavana. The Shlokish comes along and says, he's an Amayra. He says, Could you imagine a person comes after 120 years old, after 120, he comes of Yenavelt, and he's coming with suitcases. He learned plenty Gemara. He doubted properly. He never hurt anyone's feelings. He had Shemitah Sanayim. He was about chesed. He never spoke Lashonot. All the riches. He really worked hard all his life. And he walks into the end of the belt and he says to the Malachim, No, I really worked hard. Where's my Ganei? And the says, Sure. Of course. You, really, you deserve Ganei. I'll show you exactly what your Ganei is. And he takes him and he shows him a beautiful shot of Ganei. A beautiful. And he goes in, he wants to open the door. But he can't open the door. Because he... He needs the key, and he says, Malachim, where's, how do I get in? He says, you have to have the key. The key is coming. Did you say, probably, I'm going to your That's what the Shlokish says. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is no. This is your mother. Shlokish, I once had a great uncle. His name was Moshe Aaron Stern. He was much key in Congress. The article put out a whole book about him. It was very close to you. He was lived a couple of years ago. He once told me an amazing thing. He said there was a story that he had an experience in his life that that experience, that story, that experience showed him what the, how serious the words of the Shlokish actually are. He says he was once sitting in this parish and the Bacha walks over to him and the Bacha says to him, Rebbe, you know how much Akkaras I owe you? You know how much thanks I owe you? Throughout my life, I never had a cheshik to learn. My learning was a disaster. I tried, but I just didn't have a cheshik. My davening wasn't good. I wasn't. But you never gave up on me. You were always there. You mechazik me. You gave me the time of the day. You didn't give up. And because of you, I look today the way I look. I have so much akkodes hatayv to you. But I have one more favor that I want to ask you. Because I'm getting married now in the United States. My parents are very wealthy. My in-laws are also very, very wealthy. They're going to be making a wedding like you never saw before in your life. They're making it in a palace, and they actually sent me a picture. It's a palace. There's going to be 150 musicians. There's going to be food there. Forget it. Rebbe, trust me, I don't need to have not the palace, not the 150 musicians, and not the food. I'm happy to have it in a small shtibu, in a small base medish. There's one thing that I do need. I need you, my mashgir, my Rebbe, the one that actually saved me. I want you to be there, even though I know it's very difficult and you don't like to travel to the United States. My grand uncle tells me, let me tell you something. 
When I heard those words, I became very Midrash. And I told him on the spot, I'm going to be my yoga. And my uncle tells me, I came to the wedding, and I woke up and I never saw a hole like this in my life. And I was my beautiful buildings. I never saw anything like this. I want to walk into the building, and all of a sudden, this guard walks over to me and tells me, where are you going, sir? What do you I'm going? I'm trying to get in. But you can't get in. So what is that supposed to mean? He says, you're not getting it. He says, this hall, anyone that enters the doors of this hall, the one that rented out this place has to pay $2,000. This is 30 years ago. $2,000 per person. That's why I'm sitting here. I was told very carefully, no one walks in unless they bring along that ship that came along with the invitation. Everyone got an invitation. You have that ship, you walk in. You don't have that ship, you don't walk in. And my great uncle tells me, I was trying to explain him, you don't understand, they paid my ticket to come from Israel. I never got an invitation. They paid my ticket. The, 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 the groom is desperate for me to be there. And by the way, I'm the rabbi. <laughs> I'm the Messiah the Kedush. Go explain the Shemite to the Messiah the Kedush. But I'm the Messiah the Kedush. I'm the actual rabbi. I'm going to officiate over here. But my great uncle tells me I was sitting there and arguing with him for 15 minutes. No one came to my defense because no one knew me. I came from Israel. No one knew me. I'm a new person over here. I was very uncomfortable. And there were no cell phones 30 years ago. What, what were they supposed to do? Sit there and argue with a Schwarzer to get my way in? I decided, you know something? I'm out of here. He jumped into his car. My uncle tells me, I got into my car and I walked. I just drove away. About 10 minutes into my drive, all of a sudden, I thought to myself, what actually just occurred? If anyone has to get into this wedding hall, if the most important person to get into this wedding hall is me. He paid my ticket. He needs nothing, only that I should be there. I'm the Messiah of the And guess what? I'm the one that couldn't get in. I don't believe it. That's what the Shlokish means. I can't. And all of a sudden, he tells me, I, I really, I always, I... The Shlokish says those words. If a person could work all his life, and he comes to Yenavel, he comes to the next world, and he wants to go in. And he deserves it. He worked hard all his life. He deserves to get in. But he can't get in. Why? Because he didn't answer all my problems. He says, I don't know what all this means, he tells me, but I knew one thing. I'm going to answer all my problems and my brothers. But what does this all mean? We heard the monetary value from Gamaliel. We heard what Abayin Tam says, God loves it's even more chashid. We heard, and by the way, I want to tell you an amazing story. Rabbi Yudha Nasi, everyone heard of Rabbi Yudha Nasi. Rabbi Yudha Nasi was one who wrote to Mishnais. He once was once sitting by a suda, and they were about to mention. In those days, they didn't bench. Everyone didn't bench separately. One person benched, and everyone listened to the bench because there were no sudur. And they were about to bench, and I'm sure it was a very chashid way to sing by that suda. And all of a sudden, towards the end of benching. They noticed that Yudha was getting very anxious. His face changed colors. And his Talmudian went over to his Rebbe, what is going on? Is everything okay? Do you feel okay? Yeah, I feel okay. So what's going on? He says, you don't see? Look. We don't see anything. You don't see there's a tzedaki sitting in the audience. A tzedaki is not because Could you imagine where this chazan is going to bench now? And everyone is going to answer four amenim. There are four amenim to mention. Four brachas. This Sadoiki, this Apicotis is going to answer four amenim? No way! He doesn't deserve that tzchus. I can't. There's no way I'm allowing that. Did you hear what the Yudha Nasi was worried about? Look, you have to 
think about what I'm telling you. This is, and I'm not telling you about, this is simple stuff. I'm just talking about an Have you noticed he was worried? Whoa! This Sadoiki is going to answer for Amen. This is a disaster. This is set. So Rabbi walks over to the Apikaritz. This Gemara is also Peivavachum. He walks over to me and says, Sir, I'm sorry to tell this to you, but there's no way I'm allowing you to stay over here. The Chazan's going to say, Bench you now. We're going to answer for Amen. I don't want you to get that source. I want you to do me a favor, walk outside. But Rabbi Yudin noticed that he's not walking outside. So Rabbi Yudin tells him, listen to me very carefully. If you're going to walk outside now, I'm going to pay you for every single omen that you're not going to answer. I'm going to pay you 10 zuhuvim. That means I'm going to pay you 40 zuhuvim. But do me a favor. The exit is right there. You know what it says? That this Apicurius maybe was a Tzadoyki in Apicurius, but he wasn't stupid. And he saw how concerned that Rita Nasi was that he's going to get the schus of answering for omens. You know what the Gemara says? He stood right there. He didn't leave. He answered the four omens. And the Gemara said, this is a Gemara. The Gemara says, as soon as the benching was over, a Basco came out. And a Basco said, Ashrei, blessed, Goyt, is this Tzadoyki that he was clever enough, smart enough not to run after the monetary value of 40 Tzuhuvim. He stayed right there and he answered the four omens. He is gebenched. He is blessed. A Basco, can you imagine? talking about a tzaddik. And many years later, Rabbi Yitzchak was made. Rabbi Yitzchak came along and said that many years later, there were 40. He had four children. That these four children became very, very, very big in the Roman Empire, very wealthy, very powerful, and they said it was all the schools of these four others. What do all these things mean? So I want to tell you something, boys. You know, the Rambam brings down, you could all look it up, Rambam brings down, Pedic Aleph, Halacha Dal. The Raman brings down that the reason the Chazal was to make brachas all, all day long. We make brachas all day long. Maybe you don't realize it. But we actually make brachas all day long. Why would the Chazal was to make brachas all day long? Why is that important? You know what the Raman says? The Raman says, you can look it up. Because brachas, the Raman says the reason is because so we should remember Hashem all the time. A person has to remember Hashem. The Chazal could have said, make one brach in the morning. That's it. Everything is created to enable his words. No. You make a brach on everything. We make Shacha. You make all day brachas. Why? Because we have to remember Hashem. Why do we have to remember Hashem? Why is that important? You know, when I speak to my students, I don't know if you ever tried this. I'm sure you never. You probably never tried it. But you ever go over to a goy and you tell a goy, Tell me, you know, you just woke up in the morning. See, you just came out of your house. You just woke up. Do you realize that you just had Chiyas HaMesim? You just woke up. You're like, you woke up from the dead. The guy's going to look at you like you're off the wall. Everyone goes to sleep. And everybody wakes up in the morning. What are you trying to tell them? The Chazal say, no, stop. A person has to think. There was actually Chiyas HaMesim now. When I speak to my students, I always tell them, I want you to make an experiment tomorrow morning. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to walk over to your... To your brother that's still sleeping or your sister that's still sleeping walk over make a couple of good faces on him call him a couple of good names you're off to a wall you're off to a I don't know a couple of good you know what's going to happen zero there'll be zero reaction he's sleeping five minutes after he actually wakes up do the same thing over again do Chazar Sashir the third world war breaks out the pillows the blankets megalobasis it's the mother comes screaming, What? What's going on? Nothing is going on. It was tears of maze. 
A person that Chazal saying it's a fact. It's 60% dead when he's sleeping. The Chazal said, you have to wake up in the morning. Don't be like the good. You have to stop and think. You have to say, Thank you, Hashem. After you tzarta, after the factor, for the chata Hashem, I'm not saying the shomers have got a mace. It's massive. It's amazing. Mikashiyotza, my father was angry. Told me many times. Could you imagine for a second? We all know that there's an amazing factory over here. Large intestine, small intestine, the liver, kidneys, heart, lung. There's so much going on. Actually, I'm sure you boys learn biology. You know what I'm talking about. You know, imagine my father said that this whole thing over here would be see-through. Now, let me just describe to you exactly what's going to happen. You're sitting in a chair, and your baby's giving a chair, and everyone is into the chair. All of a sudden, one of the bachrim feel that something is going on over here. I don't know if something is really hurting me right here. It's, it's really hurting me. He gets altogether nervous. He takes off his glasses, takes... And he looks inside, and all of a sudden, Magache, 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 is that the pillow that stuck right in my large intestines? Please get it out, get it out. Rebbe, Rebbe, something out! Rebbe, I need your help, please! Before you know it, you have the bucket coming, flying over, trying to push it through. His friends, then a few minutes later, another friend, there's something stuck on this side. The older people, something is hurting my heart. I don't believe in the bubble there. People will be nervous wrecks the whole day walking around. This is a, I don't believe it. I see it's stuck. This is stuck. Something got stuck on me. Something is hurting me here. There's a, Hashem, Hashem was so good to us. He says, don't worry about it. I'm going to cover it up. It's hurting you a little bit. It's not a problem. It's going to pass. Everyone has pain once in a while. This part of the stomach, this part of the stomach, the there. It passes. If every time you have pain, you would see what's going on, and then you would be a nervous wreck. But Hashem was so good to you people. To us, to everybody. He covered it up. We don't have to see, but... Chazal said, you have to stop and think. You have to think. Because you have to remember Hashem. Why do we have to remember Hashem all the time? Why is it important to remember Hashem? Remembering Hashem is a muna. It's betach. And I want to tell you a story that happened to me about 40 years ago. When I became a Rebbe in Yeshiva 40 years ago, so in the morning, I would, I would teach them with the condition. I flew in the secular department. I had a teacher that came in. His name was Mike Abadol. Mike Abadol, he was completely secular. He had no idea anything about Yiddishkeit. I was young and I was ambitious, and I decided I'm going to make this guy religious. I'm making him religious. That's a case close. I'm going to work in it. But I spoke to my students. And I told them, guys, you have to really work in making a Kiddush Hashem. You know, do it right. Do it right. Anyway, and that's exactly what happened. They were great, these kids, because he was a teacher in public school in the morning. And these kids behaved like angels. They were great. And I would speak to him about the beauty of Shabbos. How Shabbos, everyone comes home together. You sit by a table, you sing Shalom Aleichem, then you come with delicious food. I was trying to entice him with the beautiful chalice on the table, with the filter fish and crane, with the, the Jewish mother's chicken soup. And I spoke to him about all the mitzvahs. About six months later, he walks over to me and he tells me, Rabbi Shane, listen to me carefully, I have a surprise for you. I am ready to become religious. I said to him, are you kidding me? He said, I'm not kidding. I'm ready to become religious. I got so excited, I, I was about to dash out of that room, run up to my classroom and tell the boys, guys, we actually hit a home run. 
is we coming from? I was so excited. As soon as I'm ready to dash out, he tells me, stop. There's one hinge. There's one problem. There's one thing in Judaism, you spoke to me and you told me so many different things. But there's one thing that I actually could never, ever believe. And because of that problem, I can't become religious. Just, what's the problem? Let me try to help you. He said, you're not going to be able to explain it to me. There's no way in the world you'll be able to explain it. I said, look, put me up for the challenge. Let me hear So you tell him, I'll tell you what it is. There's one thing, I believe in everything, but there's one thing I can never believe in. I said, I can never believe in Tchir Samesim. You're not going to tell me that Mashiach is going to come, he's going to go to Haraz and all of a sudden he's going to stop blowing the two, 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 and all of a sudden pop. And everyone starts popping out. Like 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 100 years ago, no way. There's no way you're going to try to convince me. Don't even try because it's not happening. Anyway, I'm thinking, I'm listening to him and I say, Mike, I don't want to surprise you, but I want to tell you something. Actually, the easiest thing for me to believe in is Tchir Samez. Rabbi Shane, here we go again. You're going to start telling me the Brooklyn Bridge? There's no way I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you that Tchir Samez for me is actually the easiest thing for me to believe in. Yuck. What are you talking about? So I tell, let me ask you a question. Did you ever try take an apple, cut it in half and open it up? Take the seed and plant it. What happens to that seed? That seed becomes completely rotten, right? Then, after a small while, a beautiful tree starts growing. One year, two years, three years, come back ten years later, yet a gorgeous, gorgeous tree with wood, bark, beautiful leaves, and you can have a thousand apples, two thousand, three thousand apples growing every single year. Over the ten years, you can have, I don't know how many apples. So what do you put in there? You put in a seed, not an apple. You put in a seed of an apple. You didn't put in a tree. You put in a seed. And out of that seed, whoa, go on this apple. With so many apples. With so many leaves over the years. Here's amazing. It's simple. You took a guy. You put him into the ground. He became rapid. Now, I'm not saying you've got to believe that a tree is going to grow out. You know, 50 people on the tree have to stop picking people up. One guy, the same guy you put in, that's the guy that's coming out. Why is that so complicated to believe? When I told that to him, you know what his reaction was? He says, wow. It's true. You're right. I don't understand. Why didn't I think about that? So I told him, you know why you didn't think about it? Because you don't think. The Chazal taught us that we got to think. That's what the Rambam means. Can they listen to by the tongue? When you go to a regular from Bakr, or anyone from, you say, where did you get this apple from? He says, what do you mean? I just made a body of the If you're thinking. If you're not thinking, it's just like you didn't make a brach. Of course, you should still make brachas. But you have to think. Can they listen to by the tongue? Chazal said we should make brachas so we should think. When you go when you go to someone that makes brachas, and where did you get the apple? He says, what do you mean where I got the apple from? It's a shed's apple. They should create it. So your moon is a different moon. You're connected to Hashem. You remember Hashem. You're connected to Him. So when you're learning, you're learning Hashem. Say, what? I love Hashem. I, I believe in Hashem. There could be people that learn their whole lives. They're learning because other people are watching. Or they need Shadokhan. Or they want to be good to their parents. Or they enjoy learning. I don't know what it is. We have to learn because we want to be connected to Hashem. 
I want to tell you an amazing story. I'm not sure all the boys are. I'm not sure you'll understand the story. I say it in many issues. I'm not sure I should say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I was growing up and I was a young child, this is going back about 50 years ago, my father would, about 50 years ago, my father would always take me to shul at a Shabbos. He's a young child. And he would tell me, if you want to really enjoy Shabbos, come to shul before Shabbos a little bit and learn. You're going to enjoy the Shabbos altogether different. He took me to a shul, it was called Svatsanas. That shul was talking about, it was like a Yiddish, you say, it's like Saitish. You're the Payish Yidin from the, from the war. It was a very harsh issue, very harsh issue. I come to that shul, and there was no one there Friday afternoon. Myself, together with my father, and then he had also one other Yid. He was a Rosh Hashiva in a yeshiva called Shari Yosh. He was a Talmud from the Choshiva Rosh Hashiva Rabbi and Kotla. But you can't imagine what kind of Choshiva person this was. He was very not well. He used to have always blood running from him. He had terrible... So he had very bad skin, skin disease. He had a lot of pain, but the person was the happiest person he ever saw. He had no tiredness at all. He only had a time he wanted to learn Hashem's Torah. He would learn there, he would sit there, he would sit there, he would sit there, One day, I'm sitting there, now I'm talking to Bach that I understand, you have to be on a level to understand the story. I'm sitting there in this marriage, and all of a sudden, this man, this Chosh Rosh Hashiva, this Talmud Ravaran, jumps up, he walks over to the wall and he starts banging his head in the wall. And this is what he says. He starts singing, he says, Hashem, I beg you, I don't understand the Torah. I beg you, please, I beg you, please, give me to understand this Torah. I so barely want to understand this Torah. Please, explain me the cheshman of Torah. And he's crying. I saw the tears coming out of his eyes. You don't see these type of things today. He was crying. Why was he crying? Because he wanted to understand the Hamish Kastani. He wanted to understand the Taisis. A few minutes passed, and all of a sudden, he jumps in his place, and he starts saying, Adank, Adank, Bashev, thank you, Hashem, thank you. I figured it out. I got the Cheshbin. And he's so thankful with tears of Simcha. This person was connected to Hashem. He was a different person. He understood everything in Hashem. Trust me, he was a person that was Kedeliska by the Talmud. He always thought about Hashem. The Chazal say, in order to learn, in order to dive, in order to do misses, you have to be connected. You have to know why you're doing all these misses. If you make progress properly, you understand that you're connected. You don't have to be this, who knows what. Every bracha here, I don't care what you're doing, you make a bracha properly you, and you think you're connected. That's why it's worth so much by Hashem. That's why it stands to Uvim. That's why we make Omen and Solchashem. And that's why it's the key. Because if you learn properly, because you have the right kavon, because you think about Hashem, you take those suitcases, that's the key. Those are real suitcases. Those are real blood to give up. So I explain you why I'm brach or something. But why is it important to get an omen in the brach? So I want to tell you a story. It was during COVID, I was very, very not well. I was lying in bed, I had oxygen tank. I couldn't get off my bed. I couldn't even put my feet on the floor. They got me oxygen tanks, and they got me all the different things out. But one thing my family said, they're not letting me go to the hospital, because I don't know if you boys remember, but in those days, Pesach time, the beginning of COVID, whoever went to the hospital didn't make it out, came out 90% of the people. They said, we're not letting you go to the hospital. Whatever it is, if it has to happen, it should happen here at home. Anybody was really getting there, and I'm like, I was losing my color, and I couldn't even breathe with the oxygen. I couldn't breathe. And three, two weeks, I didn't get off the bed. So my wife spoke 
to my friends. And they decided that they're going to bring down an x-ray machine to my home. They're going to bring an x-ray machine to my home. Now, I don't know if you know what an x-ray machine means. It's a gigantic machine. It's very heavy. I have no idea how they were able to bring it, but they brought it because it was a little away. They brought the x-ray machine. They put it all the way to my house. And then they had to bring it up to the second floor. They had a nurse, and the nurse took an x-ray from my lungs. The next day, the doctor calls me up. He tells me, Rabbi, I don't know how to tell this to you. But you have to realize, he gave you all the antibiotics. Not only it didn't help, but you have actually now double pneumonia on both lungs. I don't know how you even breathe. And he tells me it's a viral, COVID is a viral, the antibiotic is not helping. Your body is not fighting it. You have to understand it's a question of a week or two, and it's, you understand. Trust me, I understood what he was talking about. But let me just tell you one thing. At that second, at that moment, I became the biggest Baltshuva for Shashis and Abrahashis until that You can't imagine what kind of Baltshuva. I knew that's it, it's all over. I promise Hashem, I promise you I'm going to change. Give me one more chance. I'm still young, I still have to marry off children. I beg you, don't take me away. Give me a little, give me another chance. I was crying with the last drop of strength that I had in my body. And you can just imagine my wife, my children, my friends. It was, it was a mess. Anyway, I kept doing the one week basis after that extra, another week. Nine weeks later, all of a sudden I felt, hey, I can catch my breath. It's a little bit easier for me to catch my breath. And so I moved to the air going to my lungs. So I asked my wife to make the oxygen a little bit lower. And that's exactly what she did. And a few days later, she even made it lower. And about a week later, the most amazing thing happened. Seventy-five percent. You're gonna, you'll be okay. What was the first thing besides thanking Hashem that I did the second I heard that news? Trust me, I took out my cell phone. I almost didn't get cash out. And the first thing I called my father. It's time. Now you're not gonna believe. I'm gonna do it. Hashem gave me one chance. Hashem gave me another chance. Yes, I'm gonna live. Ah, oh, I couldn't wait to call my parents. I couldn't wait to call my children. Your tati is gonna live. Your tati is gonna make it. When you have a good piece of news, you can't wait to share the good news with someone else. If you really think, not like the guy, but you really think when you wake up in the morning and you're inspired and you think, "Wow, Hashem, you're so good to me." You're so good to me. You. You gave me a new soul. You gave me a new soul, Hashem. How could you not go over to your friend and share it with him? If you really think of what you're saying, let him also say, oh, mate. Let him also thank Hashem and say, Kemal Lechemah. Do you realize what Hashem is doing every time someone goes to the prison? What kind of chesed it is? You don't have to wait until someone has to go on to a dialysis and then onto a machine then realize it? How thankful do we have to be that everything is working? We can actually see. We can stand. I'm making it sound we could walk. When I was young all my life, 
Until about 10, 15 years ago, I was busy with somebody. I was a young kid. I was about 16 years old. I used to be busy with somebody that never, ever was able to walk on the street. He had no idea what it means to walk. How many people in this world, kid, don't know what it means to see? We have to be misguided. That's what the Ramah says. That's how I want us to think and think. Stop. Think and think. So that's why you have to get another Ramah. If you really think of what you're saying, you want to share it with somebody else. And I want to tell you one more last thing. Why is it important that someone should look to answer on me? We heard Rabbi Natan said that Ahmed is worth more than what a Baruch is. God loves you, yes, that's why he said you don't have to pay. You heard that Shimon said, you heard that Yudam Nasi was so worried about it, Ahmed. Tisha Gavad Gesus. You heard that Shimon. Let me just tell you, why is it important to get an Ahmed? I'm going to tell you what a music story. Before I say this, I just want to say one thing. If I would go over to any boy who says, no, any book, and ask him, what do you think the happiest day of a person's life is? From the day that he was born until the day that he goes. After day he goes. Most of you are going to tell me the day that a person gets married. But I personally, it's not that I'm always right. Usually I'm not right. But for sure, yeah, I don't know. But I personally believe, no, the day of Chazza is not the happiest day of life. And I'll bring you the biggest lie. Because Chazza said you have to be Masameya Chazza. Why have Masameya Chazza? Because I mean that it's probably pretty depressed. Something's going on, he's nervous. Guy's getting married, yes. It's a whole. But the happiest day of a person's life, I think, is the day that a person becomes a chassan. He became a chassan. I finally know. I know who my wife is going to be. I know with who I'm going to build a beautiful Yiddish, uh, Jewish home. I'm so excited. It's the happiest day. What does a chassan do the second that he becomes a chassan? The first thing he does, he calls up his friend, his best friend, Yankel. You're not going to believe Yankel. I just became a chassan. Can you believe? And your friend tells you, and your friend hears how you say, you just, your friend tells you, listen to me, Vital, I have no patience for it now, I have no nerves, do me a favor, I'll talk to you tomorrow. What did you just want to do to the cousin? You busted his butt. He was so excited, I became a cousin. What did you do? I have no patience, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You killed him. What are you supposed to do? Ah! You became a cousin. Who's your new, who's your shver? Dad, I know that guy, he's such an unbelievable person, I know you're struggling. I can't wait to dance with you on the cup. That's called Imataza. Now I'm going to tell you a little story that. This is a personal story. When I was growing up and I was a child, I was a kid to Gimel, I was a kid to Dalit, hey. I had a very hard time. I used to always struggle. My learning was very difficult. I remember I used to come home many times. I used to cry. I used to Hashem. Look at my friends. My friends are getting hundreds on the test. They're getting hundreds and tens. And I don't even get a 40 or 50. It's so difficult for me. So I really stopped. I got to drop the story for a minute, so I'm going to stop the story again. I was, about five, six years ago, before COVID, I was speaking in Flappish. And a day in Flappish, I was in Flappish, and I was speaking in a shul in Flappish. There was about 250, 300 people there. It was a beautiful crowd. And I'm giving a speech, and all of a sudden, the door opens up. Notice that guess who just walked in? My Rebbe, my eighth grade Rebbe. I said to myself, wow, I remember. And I stopped my speech, and everyone knows you don't stop a speech, you don't stop talking in the middle of a speech. But I stopped, I said, I'm going to stop my speech now. And I asked my Rebbe, Rebbe his name was Rebbe Yosef Mitnik, I said, please come up to the front, I want you to sit down next to me. He was like, very uncomfortable, but I asked him to just come up, he came up. So the boy said, I'm going to explain why I stopped in the middle of my speech. 
It says, when I was growing up, I had a very difficult time. Like I told you before, I used to struggle. I never would ask anything like this. I knew if I ask a question, everybody starts laughing. And it was difficult for me. Here I'm sitting in the eighth grade class, and all of a sudden I'm in the Olympics class, and I think of a kasha. And I say to myself, you know something, this kasha is amazing. I, I really want to hear something this kasha. But I was very uncomfortable. I was very scared to ask the question. So what do you do when you're uncomfortable? You work on your when you're young. You raise your hand like, you know what I'm saying? You can be head very low. But my Rebbe was just sitting right here. I tell the crowd, notice that I was raising my hand. And he says, Zebi, I see you have a kasha. Let me hear What do you have to ask? I want to hear your kasha. And I took the gvura and I said, Rebbe, I have a great kasha. And I asked the question. As soon as I finish asking the question, I tell the crowd, this man, my Rebbe, sitting right here, got so excited. He jumped up and he says, Zebi! Whoa! You just asked Rabbi Kivayegel's kasha. You were mechavah to Rabbi Kivayegel. Whoa! You have a Rabbi Kivayegel cup. You, you think like Rabbi Kivayegel. Amazing! You're amazing! But you can't imagine, I tell the crowd, what happened those few seconds. What I felt like. I was always, I had zero self-confidence. What I felt like you can't imagine. A few minutes passed, and I already said, okay, now comes the time. I want to say over the kasha from Rabbi Kivayegel. And he wants to repeat Rebbe Kivayegel's kasha, and he says over the kasha. Now let me tell you something, boys. Maybe I wasn't very clever, but I wasn't stupid. And I already noticed that the question that my Rebbe just said over to Rebbe Kivayegel had nothing to do with the question that I asked. And I said it over to the whole crowd. And I said, you know what happened? This man sitting right here saw an opportunity to be able to be mechazing somebody. He took that opportunity and he, and he was mechazed me. And not only he was mechazed me then, every day I would walk into class, he would say, Ah! Oh! Did I have a keep cup over there? My friends had a different perspective. It built up my self confidence. And you know why I stopped my speech in the middle of my speech? Because I'm standing here by this podium only because of this man sitting right here, my eighth grade Rebbe. By the way, you could always be mechazic your friend too. It doesn't have to be a Rebbe. One good word to a friend, you could never know how you could change it. And Chazashom saying something bad to your friend. But back to what I was saying. Chizik is the biggest thing in the world. Being mechazic. When you go over to somebody, you see someone making a bracha. You say, you make a bracha. I want to hear something. Of course, you don't have to do it with the whole school. But you hear someone making a bracha, you go around, you make a bracha, I want to hear You know what you do? That person that hears the bracha, whoa! Someone is dancing around my bracha. I gotta make it more careful. I gotta think. My bracha has a chivas. You're being mechazik the bracha. That's why God alone in the yoyisim nevavarech. Because you're being mechazik. The biggest thing is chizik. When you're mechazik the chosim, you can change the chos ta'alom That never changed me for my life. When you go over to someone, you make you say you're making a bracha. I want to answer someone. You're giving him chizik. God alone in the yoyisim nevavarech. Everybody said, you heard a lot. You heard how much the brach is worth. You heard what... Nobody said, what an Amen is worth. You heard... Yabudanashi was so worried about Amen. You heard that Shema Yichai, what Amen could accomplish. You heard that Yishlakish. It's the key to Ganeidin. The Rambam explains it all. It's just because this is our connection. This guy, you make brachas properly. You remember Hashem, you're connected to Hashem. 
you're a different person. You learn different, you daven differently, you're a completely different person. I just want to give you a bracha, a bracha, a bracha's head. It is such that I hope tomorrow morning when you walk in, you're going to make a bracha shakha to somebody else. Throughout the day in the courtroom, you're going to make sure to get out of your bracha. You can make the bracha properly. You make a shakha, you'll think, and you'll be misbined, and not like the girl, you'll think, wow, I'm not going to show this. And you'll bench the prop, the Abish the prop. You get an omen in your bracha, and you're going to look for omens. Not a girl, 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 not a Yeah.